to Bibby, has the open shot. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com. I am James Ham. Joining me today, it's been a long time since we've had this guest on the podcast, Mr. Sam Amick of USA Today. Sammy, what's going on? Mr. Ham, how are you? Nice to be with you. Been too long. It has been a long time. So we're having you on, of course, because the trade deadline is only a couple of days away. Uh, and we only want to use you for your, your big brain. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so You can at least lie to me. Because I'm a dear friend whose company you enjoy. I, you I do. I do all of those yeah. things. You are a dear friend, a uh, company mm-hmm. I enjoy. Um, but my goodness. This but is, who cares? Trade the, deadline. Hey, hey, this is crazy though, isn't it? The trade deadline is usually like the biggest dud of all time. And all of a sudden, this doesn't seem like it's going to be a dud of a trade deadline. Yeah, we've had some stuff. Um, it's funny. The Blake Griffin thing. So, you know, kind of coming out of nowhere, not totally, you know, I'm sure you had seen, there was a uh, report a couple of weeks ago um, about Blake, uh, the Clippers rather talking to the Timberwolves about Carl Anthony Towns and Blake Griffin. So it's like, you know, you kind of wondered maybe they would think about doing it, but uh, that one was still pretty shocking. And, and also funny because we spent so much time focusing on Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan. And then it ends up being Blake, the first guy to go. And then, you know, today, Nikola Miritic, that one we definitely saw coming. Yes. Uh, you know, he goes to New Orleans. So uh, the Greg Monroe thing, it, it never ceases to amaze me how certain players, you know, they, they just go from, from relevant to irrelevant to back to relevant so quickly in this league. You know, Greg Monroe was stuck in Phoenix, and, and now he's the bell of the ball with all these teams chasing him, uh, you know, after he comes to a buyout agreement with uh with phoenix so some early action obviously a long ways to go too yeah why does it seem like greg monroe just doesn't fit places i i mean he has so much talent when you put him on the court he actually does good things i mean if you look at his on the court versus off the court he helps teams but he's fallen out of favor in a couple of places very quickly and now it does sound like he'll sign with the pelicans or at least they're trying to but is there something going on there with Greg Monroe? Because he, he doesn't seem like he would just bounce around. He's got too much talent. He's just not. He's, you know, he's, he's the victim of being born at the wrong time. He's not made for today's game. You know what I mean? Like, that's the problem. You know, it's it's not a big man's game anymore. That's why, you know, not surprising at all to see that he's likely, you know, glomming onto the New Orleans situation with, uh, you know, DeMarcus Cousins going down. And the Pelicans being one of the few teams that were trying to go against the grain and, and you know, have their foundation be two bigs. And so in that respect, Monroe can end up taking Cousins' place. But there are not very many teams anymore who want to build that way. If you look at, you know, when Monroe was in Milwaukee, uh, at the time they thought it was a great pickup. Uh, but, again, th- that's a Bucks roster where they have tried to model 
the Warriors when it comes to versatility, ability to guard, not two positions, you know, three, maybe even four for a lot of their guys. And, you know, and that kind of uh, roster construction that just doesn't fit his skill set. He's a very, very good player. I certainly think he can help somebody, uh, but, you know, as, as a role player on a top tier playoff team and maybe as a starter for the Pelicans. But uh, I think that's kind of why you see what's happening. Yeah, that team is is going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, you know, we had DeMarcus Cousins here in Sacramento for, what, six and a half seasons. Um, you know, I, I watched him grow and develop. I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> at, at, from a young guy to uh, what he's become, which is incredible. Uh, just around the league, I think everyone was so incredibly shocked to see him go down and just it's gut-wrenching. Um, you see a player who, who didn't get the big extension that he thought he was going to get and then had to play out his contract waiting for the big extension. How bad is this going to affect him come this summer when he's a free agent? Uh, for me, it's tough to tell right now because I can't read the minds of Pelicans, GM, Del Demps, or ownership, uh, you know, the, the Loomis group out there. And, you know, I just, you know, here's, <clears throat> excuse me, got a frog in my throat. Here's where I would fall from the New Orleans perspective. There were already rumblings that even though they were probably going to give him the full max this summer, uh, and I don't blame him, he's a, he's a hell of a player, but any team giving that kind of money away is probably going to have some private reservations. You know, the Clippers uh, had private reservations about giving Blake his contract, and then it led to him getting traded. So the Pelicans, even before DeMarcus went down, uh, had similar reservations, even though they probably would have done it. Uh, now, uh, you know, only they know how they see it. You know, wh- how many years are you going to give him? Uh, is it still the max? I would assume, you know, but it's, it's, it's not a small thing for any team to consider that a guy, he's still a young guy, obviously he's in his prime, but he does have a decent amount of miles on him. Um, he, he's a big, you know, who at different times has carried a big load and he's kind of gone up and down weight wise over the years. Uh, and it's an Achilles, which is, you know, about as serious an injury as you're going to come across in the NBA, uh, considering what these guys are trying to accomplish on a basketball floor. Uh, I saw some research from Kevin Pelton at ESPN recently that the last 18 NBA players to go down with Achilles tendon tears out of that group, only four of them had returned to any sort of, you know, productivity level uh, of, you know, previously. And Rudy Gay, your old buddy in Sacramento also, of course. is one of the few, you know, who has been able to go in that direction. So a lot to consider, uh, and, and you do feel for him in terms of the, not only the timing, I actually am more sympathetic to him, not to sound callous. He, come on, these guys don't make a ton of money. I'm not worried about the money. The thing I you know, would be sympathetic to is that uh, you know you know how bad he wants to get in the playoffs and yeah. get that monkey off his back and be a successful player. You know, um, And that is the direction they were headed. I do think they were going to be a playoff team. Now they probably won't, and uh, and that that's tough. There's just you know nothing he could have done about it. Yeah, I definitely feel for him. You know, first time All Star starter uh, in the playoff hunt, not just in the playoff hunt, but like the sixth seed when he was injured. Uh, everything looking up for Demarcus Cousins. All right, Sammy. So on the Kings front, are you hearing anything? Are they a victim of the potential LeBron James uh, free agency this summer, where? Uh, maybe they had a deal with uh, the Cavs for George Hill, but things have kind of slipped because of the Cavs' poor performance of late. 
and they just don't know if he's going to stick around. Uh, yes, you could trace it even farther back, though, and, and say they're a victim of their own decision-making because, you know, they're the ones who gave George this contract. And now that's, you know, it's just, I, I knew this day would come. Um, I didn't think it'd come. I mean, come on, James, this day came like within two months of George being in town. The idea that like, oh, okay, I guess this is coming to an end already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and then to have to try to get off that kind of a contract, you know, a team like the Cavs that if LeBron leaves, they're not really, you know, George Hill doesn't help them uh, with any kind of rebuild if, if that's what they're doing next year in the, in the uh, you know, if LeBron leaves. And that's a lot of cash to consider. And then, not you know, to a lesser extent, you've got the fact that, you know, it sounded like their feelings about Channing Fry might have kind of changed in the moments where based on injuries and rotations for their team right now, uh, you know, Channing is kind of seen internally as maybe more valuable than for this season than they had given him credit for. You know, when they beat Miami last night, Channing was a big part of it. So uh, that was a piece that was going to be involved in the deal. So, you know, I don't, all that being said, I don't think it's dead. You know, the Kings obviously would have had to have cleared a roster spot to make that deal. And, and, you know, and uh, you certainly hope they wouldn't just cut ties with a young prospect to, to make that kind of a, a deal just to get off money. But uh, it's not, I'm told, you know, as of yesterday, it's not completely dead. It could resurface closer to the deadline, but, uh, but obviously not right now. Yeah, it's not on the hot stove. Uh, if not the Cavs, is there another spot in the NBA that you've heard that could possibly be a landing spot for George Hill? Or is he pretty much... That's a lot of money, and no one's really got the room to take on a guy like that. I mean, to a much lesser extent, and I wrote a little bit about this today. I wrote about the Nuggets, um, and again, I'll keep going to our old our old buddies. Uh, this one, Michael Malone, Nuggets head coach, former Kings coach. Um, Love me some Michael Malone. Yes. Yeah, like I had. It's funny, James. Like the longer I do this job, I need. I want to get back to to writing about some of the smaller market teams more often. I'm really bad when it comes to. Warriors, Cavs, Rockets, Thunder, you know, Spurs. Like, we end up focusing on the best teams nationally so much. I had not written about Denver in a long, long time. So I wanted to make a few phone calls, find out what was going on with Denver. And what I learned was that they are uh, definitely in the market for a new point guard uh, and likely a starting point guard. They want to move Will Barton back to the bench. They love him as a super six man, Mm -hmm. and he's been handling a lot of – playmaking duties with Jamal Murray and they don't like that mix because Will's not as productive in that role. So, you know, Darren Collison is a guy of the Pacers who they have made several inquiries about, but I don't think they're going to get anywhere because the Pacers really like Collison, don't want to give him up. Um, You got to remember George Hill was in pretty serious talks with Denver in free agency last summer uh, before they signed Millsap. Once they turned their attention to Millsap, they basically ran out of money. You know, gave him three years, $90 million. So that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, we know they have a certain level of mutual interest. I think certainly George would love to play there in Denver. Uh, but, you know, right now, a week out from the deadline or however many days we're talking, uh, the Nuggets are not showing a ton of interest in reciprocating, getting something done. But that's one where, where I do kind of wonder if a phone call gets made closer to the deadline. Yeah, because they do have some pieces that can be moved. Uh, you know, if they need to sweeten the deal for Sacramento, I- I'm sure they've got some things hiding. But also, Kenneth Faree just seems to fall out of favor there all the time. 
and, and has a contract that would work salary cap wise where the Kings could probably move off of George Hill and go just to change the look of their team with a guy like Farid or something like that. So I, I do think that that's, that, a team. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's the one, sorry to interrupt you, but no. like for Farid, you know, and they're down on Moutier that he really doesn't have any future out there. Um, so, you know, Moutier is available as well. Uh, you know, and then Wilson Chandler, those are the three guys that are kind of the, the prime candidates to get moved in Denver uh, in terms of them being sellers. Um, but the Farid one did have me thinking about the Kings because and I wrote the money today. I forgot. I don't know if you have that in front of you. What's his contract? Uh, I think it's uh, 14, 14 and 15 and something like that. He He's owed. It's. I mean, it's within the ballpark, I think, with the Kings being under the cap. Uh, yeah, I think that they could they could definitely make a deal work there. Yeah, and it's like it's a little more palatable than the money with George. You know, and, and like somebody on the Nuggets side told me yesterday, they're like, listen, you know, Kenneth Fareed, might not be a guy that you want to build around for the next six, seven years, but but if you want to sell a few tickets and have some fun this season, um, and and this sounds terrible, but 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 do so while maybe not even winning any more games, which would help draft position. Um, you, you know, Farid would be a great guy. He's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder uh, to whatever team he goes to because he, you know, he's a guy that he's just never found, you know, his niche in the NBA. But then he goes on Team USA and. If you remember, like, FIBA World Cup a couple of years back, he was, like, the MVP of, the, of Team USA when you had guys like James Harden and Steph Curry on the team. So, you know, he's a high-energy guy that, you know, I wonder how Vlade and, and uh, you know, Brandon Williams and Ken Catanella and that group see him. So who knows? Maybe that pops up. Yeah, I mean, looking at Fareed's money, it's uh, he's owed 13.7 next year, and then he becomes a free agent. So it actually would make a lot of sense for the Kings. Uh, again, they would probably have to throw in something to make the the dollars and cents work completely. But still, uh, it does seem like the Kings are going to be active. Um, now, outside of George Hill, are you hearing anything else about any of the other Kings veterans or young players that catches your fancy? Oh, I could sit here and uh, and pontificate and speculate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be blunt and say no. I got nothing. <laughs> I, <laughs> You yeah, mean people like aren't lining we, up for Zebo? What? I'm just saying, you know, sometimes in the media we we, we are guilty of being, you know, BSers. And, and I'm not in the mood to, I, you know, this is James Ham, the great James Ham that I'm on with. I, I got to shoot you straight. Uh, no, I, I mean, I'll I'll be making a few phone calls on Zebo uh, to see. I mean, to me, he is a guy who should have a, a market. Um, but again, you, you wonder, you talk about the market, how many, you know, teams – are targeting a guy who is, you know, more a, a throw the ball to him in the post type scorer. And, and the answer is there are some, I guarantee you. I just don't think it's it's not going to be as lucrative a market as a um, like a Lou Williams and a wing player who's I mean, it's just a it's a shooting game these days. And, and Zebo is a relic and he's a, a lovable relic. But, you know, uh, I got to think somebody near the deadline it does try to come get him. All right. Last question. Last question for you, Sammy. Don't break Kings fans' hearts here. There's no chance that the Kings absorb that ridiculous money owed Joe Kim Noah, right? Um, that's a good question. I, I have not heard anything to that effect. Um, you can connect some obvious dots there. Former Kings executive Scott Perry now running the Knicks. Um, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. If 
I don't know. If, if you got a first, you know, a first rounder out of it, do you think about it? You know, it's it's a lot of money. Yeah, I don't think I'm paying forty million for a first rounder. I don't know. Right. I don't know if you could buy him out and shave a little bit. Who knows? Um, but you know, it, it is a prickly situation. Uh, the idea of Joe Kim Noah to me is not a Sacramento type of guy. No. Um, and personality wise, but no, I have not heard that. Uh, you know, and I'm curious to see how motivated I would be really honestly shocked if he went anywhere before the deadline. I just think it's too much money for anybody. Uh, it, you know, only Scott Perry knows how motivated he is, but we'll see. By the way, I'm proud of you, James. I thought for sure the question was going to be, is LeBron James coming to the Kings this LeBron summer? LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, today, you know, we're reading about LeBron and the Warriors, which, I mean, listen, I, I know how the reporting world works and Chris Haynes does a great job. So I am not throwing shade. I understand why he writes it, but it, you know, it, today's one of those days where it's like, good Lord, are we going to, we going to have every yeah. speculation. Now? I don't know. Are but we no, going LeBron there? Is not coming to the Kings. You heard it here first. We're not going there. We're not going there, Sammy. I would never <laughs> ask that question. I know the answer to that question. All right. So thanks so much for joining us. The great Sam Amick of USA today. Uh, Sammy, good talking to you. You too, James. Talk to you soon, buddy. Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. I am James Ham. Joining me in the second portion of the podcast, Mr. Doug Christie. DC, what's going on? Lots of travel. <laughs> oh, man. Lots of travel. 12 days, six games. Now another travel day, man. It's uh... But you know what? I, I can't complain because not only was it fun, but uh, the Kings won some ball games, and I'm happy about that. Yeah, they did win some ball games. Now we'll just set the stage. Doug just got back from uh, this ridiculously long six game, but really twelve day, thirteen day road trip uh, all across the country, and then he's got to fly down to to cover a college game today, and then fly back home for Friday's Kings uh, Golden State Warriors game. Doug, uh, are you just living on Starbucks coffee at this point? Uh, pretty much. I, ha- I haven't had one yet today, but shortly, shortly I'll be uh, paying the, the the caffeine people a, a good hello and saying, "Let me have a triple shot, please." Yeah, you're gonna have to like put an IV in, like a caffeine IV, just carry it around in a bag so you can keep your your energy high. Follow the drip. Follow the drip. That's right. So, Doug, the first thing I want to talk to you about today is uh, what was that trip like? You've gone on road trips as a player, but as a broadcaster, you haven't gone on one this substantial, this long. Um, is it exhausting, or do you get enough break in between to, to kind of keep your energy level up? Because I'm I'm thinking about these young players. I'm thinking about Dave Yeager and his health scare and, and all these other things that are happening around you. But what is it like? You know, it, it's not hard, really, to be honest with you, Ham. I mean, is it a lot of travel? Yeah, it's a lot of travel. It's late nights, different stuff. But, I mean, you get a chance to rest. You're in the hotel. And for me, I, I, I dig it because I love basketball. I really enjoy the travel, watching the team, watching the young players grow. Uh, the ability, you know, Coach Yeager allows me to come to practice. So the ability to go to practice and shoot around and watch them put in the work. And then when you see that work start to pay off on the floor, man, it's just, it is exhilarating to be honest with you. So uh, I'm not complaining at all, man. I had a blast. 
does it give you a little different perspective with the players when you're traveling with them and seeing them interact and seeing them maybe a little bit behind the scenes? Oh, yes, uh, definitely, because if if you're on a losing team, Ham, and, you know, a lot of people will talk about losing culture and different things like that. But I will say this. If you go to a Sacramento Kings practice, you wouldn't know what their record was. The reason I say that is because there's a lot of energy. Coach Yeager's getting after it. The players are getting after it. There's a there's there's an energy and a happiness that normally you don't see when team has only won 14 or 15 games. It just it's usually not there. But this young team, man, they they stay after it. They they, they work extremely hard, and I like the spirit about the group. Uh, even though as it went exactly how they want, no. But now I'm starting to see growth. Where's De'Aaron Fox? Whether it's uh, uh, Justin Jackson, guys that are getting opportunities and they're coming through. That's right. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has had this incredible resurgence in the month of January. His stats are up across the board. He's shooting, I think it's uh, over 43% from three. He's really doing the things that, that people thought he might be able to do when he was coming out of college. Uh, you got to call his game winner in Miami, uh, and you actually, Doug, you made dead spin for your call. Um, what are you? <laughs> how much fun was that to be part of that? And I guess how much are you learning to to do this role, to be uh, the guy on the sidelines with Grant, trying to paint a picture for people uh, while while Jerry is is back home, you know, for this road trip. Well, first of all, you already know there's only one Jerry, and uh, lo- love him to death. So filling in was it, it was a lot of fun, but. You know, oddly enough, Ham, you remember the um, uh, NFC championship game? The guy has the call, Saints and um, Vikings and Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, and, and Saints and Vikings. And the color guy that does my job kind of stepped on the guy. And me and Grant were talking about that, meaning that he kind of talked over him while the play was happening. So, uh, luckily, I was smart enough to shut the hell up and let Grant do his thing because <laughs> he absolutely nailed it. But it, it's it's difficult for me because I'm so excited for the guys. And when I saw it here and I'm just like, because we had a really good angle. We were sitting right behind Bogey. And to be honest with you, I thought he made the shot. I was like, oh, he's a little off balance. And it just rattled in and out and just off of a trampoline out of nowhere. Just here comes the air and flying in. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I did, You know, after Grant said, you know, just killed it, there was a pause. And, he, and that's, you know, my time to say something. And it just was all bottled up. And I just went, because ah! <laughs> I didn't know what else to say, man. I was so excited. So it, it was it was a lot of fun, man, watching them. Uh, come back. You mentioned De'Aaron Ham, and the, the air the area that I see him is on the defensive end. The offensive stuff is coming, but the defense. I mean, he sat down in the defensive position right in front of us. He set up uh, Dragon Gorich the whole game and picked his pocket right at the right moment. Those are things that I used to do, and it's something that usually you learn as you go along but the kid is learning by leaps and bounds. 
you and I have talked many times, Ham, about maybe that injury might help him. And boy, yeah. oh boy, I think it really has. It, it seems like the game is slowing down. He's seeing angles. He's coming off pick and rolls with poise and patience. He's getting into the lane. He's seeing cutters. Uh, Passing-wise, he's just he, he's slowing down, and he has a swagger about his game that is it's beautiful to see. Yeah, you know, I think De'Aaron got caught up in the NBA lifestyle a little bit to start this season. And I think uh, the injury followed by the rising star snub, uh, I think it's get, it, it's lit a fire under him. He, I had heard that about a month before uh, he had started changing his habits, the way that he prepared for games, the way that he attacked practice, uh, the way that he attacked his extra work, um, that you know he sort of the light bulb had gone on, and that if he wants to be great. You can't just show up. You you got to do the work. And it wasn't that he wasn't a worker before that. It's that he had found a new level uh, of work mm-hmm. ethic and uh, a new dedication. Um, he's a guy that, again, he, he has all kinds of outside stuff pulling at him all the time. He's a media darling. Uh, you know, he's doing Call of Duty stuff. He, he's a guy who has uh, signings and, and photo shoots and all these things. And sometimes I think when you're 19 years old and you're coming into a league and you think you're just going to own it, there's a, a reckoning that come that happens. And I, I think he's gone through that where he now understands that, like, look, I, I'm not the only really good rookie in this class. And I, I just got, you know, really, he got embarrassed by not getting invited to the Rising Stars Challenge. And I, I like to I like what I'm seeing. I like what I'm seeing from his development here. Uh, you know, in the month of January, but really, um, I think this is he's prepped himself to really have a nice finish to the season. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I can see him. This is going to be an incredible offseason for him, obviously, the, the dedication that it's going to take because we're, we're looking at a young kid that his body hasn't even started to to develop and things like that. So the, the work that he puts in, we're seeing him understand time and that if, you know, if he gives a real hard move, it, it garners him enough space to get his feet underneath him. And I think that that's what we're seeing on his shot. He's getting his feet underneath him, quickening that, that shot up and getting it off in different angles. Boy, oh boy, it, he's just, he's a lot of fun. I mentioned in the last game that, you know, I'm, I'm making a, Grant's making a comment. I'm about to make a comment, but he's flying down the floor so fast. I couldn't even make my comment. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's also it's good to see some of the other young players like catching on and going with him. And so I love the development of of Bogdan. We've talked about that. Uh, Justin Jackson has had a series of of nice games here. He's stringing some things together that kind of gives you a little bit of hope for his future. Um, at what are you seeing from sort of the other group? I, I know we've had some injuries here with scowl and with uh willie that you know took away the last two games but overall what are you seeing you know unfortunate with scowl because i thought that with willie out there was an opportunity there and for him to play but you know injuries happen that's part of the attrition of the of the nba and being a professional athlete the same thing with malachi richardson saw him in practice i like what i was seeing and then right at the end of practice he kind of tweaks his ankle so he's out 
you, you missed I mean, you mentioned Justin Jackson, you know, being six, eight, and that's what I consider elite size at the wing position, meaning that's that prototypical mm-hmm. when you're a two guard at six, six, when you're a three man at six, eight, and he's got that type of size. Now he's pairing it, um, him with the ability to stay in front of people, get his chest in front of people, catch the first move. And then offensively he's starting to have, it looks like the game's slowing down for him. You know, the pump fakes when the guy's running out one dribble pull up and knock it down these are things that that i really like to see but the guy that i am just uh i am super impressed with is willie collie stein man i just i can't i can't say it enough watching willie's growth has just it's been it's been awesome to be honest with you because uh he's developed ball handling dribbling uh i think that we've seen him be able to pass the ball at a really high level uh, that that i don't think he could do in the beginning his jump shot seems to continue to improve uh you know we're watching him now understand how to use his spin moves how to attack the basket you and i have watched for, for many times and we're like dunk the ball will he just and now he's attacking the rim and these are things that i you know, I don't know what the end end game for Willie Colley Stein is because he's got a incredible body. I mean, his legs, his shoulders, all of that are developing. So as far as his athleticism, off the charts. Uh, shot blocking, ball handling, shooting, passing. Uh, man, oh man, I've just been highly impressed. So I, a little unfortunate that he got his foot stepped on and he got uh, got hit in the knee with his. Um, with a white size knee brace, but hopefully he's back on the court. He looked pretty good in shoot around or before the game in, in new Orleans. So I'm hoping he gets back out on the court soon. All right, Doug, I don't want to keep you all day. Cause uh, you are a traveling man. I mean, I, I hope you, well, I guess you aren't getting mileage with the King. So you're not getting your, uh, your, your <laughs> no, frequent flyer mileage, no mileage. <laughs> no mileage, but no. you're flying in a, in a nice first class situation there. Um, but Elston Turner gets to step up and, and coach in that last game. Um, you've known Elston forever. Uh, he was one of your coaches. Uh, I know you love the guy. How happy are you for him for getting that opportunity? And, you know, maybe that opens a door for an opportunity down the road. Maybe it it just shines another light on Elston who's had some head coaching interviews in the past, but, how happy are you for him? Because he is a good man who uh, really, you know, you want to see good things happen to. Yeah. You know, Elston, man, he, he's the solid earth, man. I, I was so happy for him. I just gave him a big hug after the game and just uh, to, to watch guys respect, because I had the utmost respect for Elston because he was our defensive coach, but he, he had a different style. He would talk to us and ask us questions and what do we see and the way that he would bring the good things out of us. I, I really enjoyed it. And to watch the guys play for him, uh, it was just awesome. It just shows the level of respect. Uh, Coach Yeager has set down a, a really good format, and the, the practice flowed the same way. The energy was there. The enthusiasm was there. The focus and attention to detail was there. So that, that pays respect to Elston. And then to go in the game and fight the way that they did for him on the road was just, it was awesome to see. And I didn't go into the locker room because I, I kind of try to stay in, in my, in my zone without crossing over. I wanted to go into the locker room, 
but I guess from from my understanding, the the whole atmosphere in there was awesome. They they were really excited for him. I believe they gave him a game ball, and that is just uh, it, nobody de- deserves it more, man. He's paid so many dues. He's seen so many different things, been in so many different battles, and uh, just truly, truly happy for happy for ET, man. Ah, very good. All right, so. That's uh, Doug Christie on the road. That's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider podcast on NBC Sports California. Make sure to jump on iTunes. Give us a subscription, subscribe, uh, rate us, give us a comment, some feedback. Those things help us in the grand scheme of things. Thanks to Sam Amick for coming on in the first half. Sacramento Kings return home. They'll play the Golden State Warriors on Friday night, followed by a matchup with the Dallas Mavericks on saturday a back-to-back at home which is odd so for doug christie i am james ham thanks for tuning in to the king's insider podcast on nbcsportscalifornia.com we'll see you next week